0: What is up, guys, and welcome to another episode of Guadalupe Vision, the first ever podcast dedicated to Paraguayan football in English. As always, I'm Roberto Rojas, and joining me, as always, are my three great co-hosts, Federico Perez, Ralph Hanna, and Maria Britos. And guys, here we are another week. It's hard to believe that February is almost over, and we're already into March. I mean, here in the States, everyone, or at least here in, in Connecticut, everyone's worried about this big snowstorm. We haven't had one yet. That's that's kind of the big news here that people are talking about. But we're not here to talk about weather. We're not meteorologists. That is not our specialty. We're here to talk about what's been going on in the world of football. Uh, unfortunately, you might have to start off with some somber news, obviously, from what we've seen from Paraguay as of recently. We'll get into what happened in the playoff between um, uh, Chinese Taipei and Panama. We'll also be talking about what's been going on in the Copa Libertadores with two teams battling it out to qualify to the group stage. And a special Paraguayan, one that we've always talked about uh, every so often and, and really kind of the standout player. He has a chance that Silverware, remember, he has a good finals record. He's won trophies in his previous clubs. Who is that player? We'll talk about him in just a bit. But let's go straight to Paraguay, to Fede Perez, man. I mean, yeah, here we are recording a little less than, yeah, about 12 hours since the, the, the loss between Paraguay and in the Intercontinental Playoffs to qualify for the Women's World Cup. I mean, we were hoping that we were going to hear, at least that, that was my preparation from last night, that we we're going to talk about how this was going to be a monumentous moment for women's football, but unfortunately, they fell out short, and it's, it's kind of a somber
1: mood for those that do follow women's football in, in the country. Yeah, it's always special when the national team plays. Roberto, nice to see you again. Heidel Maria. Hi to Ralph. Hi to everybody following us on what a new vision. Yeah, we obviously got to talk about this. A failure again of another national team, unfortunately, not being able to make it to a World Cup. We, we had the, the year start off right with that under 20 with the men uh, trying to make it to the World Cup. They couldn't do it. Uh, the women, unfortunately, have not been able to do it. Also, we, we got to talk about both of their games because they played two matches over there in New Zealand and they couldn't get the second game. Uh, obviously against Panama. It's a big failure. Yeah, I'm kind of bummed out about it. Also, I, I thought we had a big opportunity. I thought we had big chances on this situation. Uh, Technically, we had a good spectacular, I would even say, Libertadores week, especially for Nacional, getting a really good result at home, playing in Defensores and Chaco against a very popular team in Peru, like, so, like, like Sporting Cristal. And then, uh, obviously, got to talk about Cerro Porteño being able to uh, get their win right at the end of the match with Juan Patino coming to save the game for them against an unknown team, a chilling team that, you know, after seeing this first game, I must say, Cerro looks like the favorite. Cerro looked like they can do it and after seeing what Nacional did, I'm really happy because the Paraguayan teams look really good in Libertadores and obviously I'm really hyped uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what uh, Armiron can do in this Newcastle match Against Manchester United, I think a lot of people are going to be following that game here in Paraguay just because we haven't had, just like you said, for a while, for several years, uh, a Paraguayan player uh, in a big match like this one. So a lot of people are going to obviously be on on top of this game and I'm going to be rooting for him. I want to see him win a title just like he's done pretty much everywhere he's played. Yeah,
0: absolutely. We'll get into Miggy in in a bit on the show, but let's switch gears to to Ralph here, because obviously what's been going on in the local division league, like we said, you know, we got a, Cedro has a new manager, they got off to a good start as well, and and one can say that after looking at Nacional and, and of Porteño and their results in the Libertadores, we'll talk about their matches in a bit, but you would think that they feel a bit as favorites. I mean, obviously, both of them have to play in different locations. One plays away, the other one plays at home. But getting results from that, uh, respectively, I think puts them in a good position to, to qualify to the third stage.
2: Yeah, that's right. It, it was a positive Tuesday night in in the Libertadores and uh, Nacional have to go away. Cerro come back home, but Nacional have a slightly bigger margin of, of victory, right? Because they won by two goals, Cerro only by the single goal. So with all of that imbalance, in, in I think it's, it's looking fairly positive for both teams, which is great if we can get four sides into the, the Copa Libertadores group, group stages. Of course, there's still one more phase before you get there. So there, it's a long journey to get into the group stages with this, with the way this format is set up these days. Uh, but it, it was it was positive and what we're looking as well is how they're managing balancing this with the league as well. So I mean I think Saravia did really well the way he's balanced his team. He, he almost had a totally different side for the league match. then he didn't use his subs until quite late on in that game uh, just to make sure he had people rested. So so now we get into that interesting time of the year as people have to manage their their teams and rotate as well. but, but looking good on that on that front for sure hundred percent, hundred percent. And obviously uh, going to Maria on
0: this one, because, you know, like we mentioned beforehand, Almidon getting the chance actually just got this from a, from a fan that's going to be at Wembley. And I don't know if you guys could see it, but here's the fans that uh, are listening in. These, this is one of these from Jordan, by the way, Uh, they already have flags ready for, for their appearance at Wembley, a, a big one for not just Newcastle United, but also for Miguel Miron, obviously, like I said beforehand, he had won trophies at Cedrals, won at at Nuz, won it at Atlanta United. Now he gets a chance over here uh, to win something at Newcastle United. And I feel like a lot of people who are fans of him, who are Paraguayans, they're going to be rooting for him on Sunday in, in what will be a really big game against Manchester United.
3: Yes, uh, I think everyone's definitely excited Um to see someone in the big stage like like this one and, and Miguel Amiron has definitely over exceeded all our expectations um you know i think i think overall everyone's just excited and happy for him and just just uh, excited to see someone out there putting our name in 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 the big stage you know and and the way that Amiron has been playing this season has just been marvelous and it's it's just been beautiful for him Uh, He's had a great season so far and, and, you know, everyone's just looking for him to continue winning. Um, I think that he definitely deserves it. He's been a great player so far after, you know, bouncing back from, um, you know, not a a great season last time, last season. Um, So definitely this time around, I think that he's going to put all his effort into winning this, um, not just for, not just for himself, but the club that's also, you know, coming back uh, after, after a terrible couple of seasons as well. So, um, as as a Paraguayan, I think he definitely has that in the back of his mind, you know. I'm, I I gotta represent my country, you know, in in Europe, and that that's definitely big. Um, after everything that we've suffered, you know, now going to a World Cup and now with the girls as well that we'll talk about later on, uh, maybe this will bring. Paraguay some kind of joy so I'm definitely happy for him and I hope that you know I, I I'm sure that Paraguay is all about Newcastle this weekend so 100%. let's see what they have
0: 100% well let's go switching gears to what happened in New Zealand obviously we had the playoffs of the Women's World Cup for the Australia New Zealand Paraguay obviously qualified for those playoffs after finishing third in the Uh, Sorry, finishing fourth in the playoffs in the Copa America, meaning that they had to go through a playoff, had to win two games, actually, to qualify for the World Cup. Uh, They had drawn in in kind of a harder chance, actually, because they had to go through two games or some teams had to go through maybe one. Um, You know, some teams go as as buys. Paraguay was not in this case. They had to go through two games as as everyone knew. So they, they looked into the first game against Chinese Taipei. A uh, it really it, weird game, I would say. You know, they took the lead inside uh, the seventy-fifth, in the, uh, the 21st minute before going 2-0 up in the 75th minute. But then goals from Dulce Kitana and Lishi uh both in straightforward context, uh, 80th and 81st minute, sent the game into extra time. In the 120th minute, you saw Chinese Taipei get a penalty only for their player, to sky it off and the game went straight to penalties. And that's where we saw Alicia Boadilla stand out, saving a penalty, uh, being the star. Paraguay scored all four goals and they qualified for the final against Panama after they beat Papua New Guinea 2-0. Uh, in the final, though, we saw a, a very different game to what we saw against Chinese Taipei. We saw a, a completely different type of, of level. The Panamanian girls were obviously a bit more physical. They were definitely more intense in their pressing, and you know Paraguay had a few chances as well and they kind of blew it you know the the, the big one was the, the the header right towards the the end of the the first half and then a free kick as well so it it almost felt like you know something was brewing but then we saw right there in the 75th minute Linnea sedenio scoring the goal that would ultimately be the end for for Paraguay and and would send Panama to their first ever World Cup and yeah I mean you saw the reactions from the from the girls obviously inconceivable and obviously right into tears from everyone really just really at a loss for words because they had gone through so far and I wanted to go to Ralph on this one because obviously he has been following this side for quite some time and we've always relied on him as as well as everyone else here at what Any Vision on uh, the, the women's football and, and kind of their journey but you know I, I'd like to hear your thoughts on really this this heart-wrenching way of losing and I mean let's be real as well I mean yeah the results aside they, they were able to do it on the penalty shootout um, against Chinese Taipei but ultimately I think we saw two Paraguay games where they didn't play well as well I mean yeah we saw them getting the late goals in the, in the Chinese Taipei game and obviously winning on penalties but yeah, you just felt that maybe you just did not see the best Paraguay uh, in any of these two games.
2: Yeah, it was um, it, it was really last night was was cruel. It was it was quite quite heartbreaking. You saw a lot of the the Paraguayan players in tears on the pitch. The older generation um, kind of know this was their big chance. There's of course the the younger girls will have a chance again in in 2027. Uh, but they they they've been so close now four times, right? Because they had the semi final of the Copa America, which against Brazil they weren't expected to to win, and they lost. They had the third fourth place playoff of the Copa America, which they lost, um, and then they had this game. So three, sorry. So they had these three chances to get so close, and and they, they didn't manage it. Um, I think uh, I mean you've resumed the games very well, which which we saw what happened. I think there's a mix of things that happen. One is maybe some of the game management by by the coach, by Frigerio. Um, we were talking off-camera about Fanny Gauto, who I, for me is the best, one of the best players technically that Paraguay has, and she only made appearances as a substitute. And every time she's on the field, they seem to have a bit more control, which is something they were really lacking. And then we looked at, and there was an interesting moment in that game last night where... Uh, she was, she was lined up to come on and then she goes and sits back down and she doesn't come on for maybe another six, seven minutes. And I think in the laps is when, when Panama scored, but then we also looked at things like the fitness levels Uh, you were talking about the intensity and pressure of Panama. If I'm right in thinking Panama only made two subs in that whole game. Imagine that's, I mean, that's the level they were able to play at compared to Paraguay who were who were really struggling? Like Arrieta had a very strong game on the left-hand side, but she got she got tired, she got cramped out. Fanny Godoy was in central midfield. I mean, she was she was hanging on at the end because of all that all that pressure. I mean, they the level of intensity they weren't able to match it. Whereas um, whereas Panama could, and some of the Pan- Panamanian players are not that big. Like you have the uh she's nicknamed frozen the the girl from uh, from the university of alabama who was born in michigan but a panamanian mother uh, at one point she like shrugs off veronica riveros riley tanner thank you for reminding me her name she shrugs off veronica riveros is much seems to be much bigger but it just shows the physicality was really was really there from from panama so there's things to work on i think that is a longer term process but there were things in the game the game management as well in terms of substitutions and what to do um I don't know it was it's really tough because now I think we spoke about it in the last game so much depends on results and and it shouldn't we know it shouldn't be like this right the investment shouldn't be based on results because how do you even start to do things well without the investments in the first time but there's a really real feeling I think that the the APFA put a lot of money into this this whole uh, cycle with we with taking them to New Zealand for so long, that costs money, it's not cheap to send them for a longer time. And so all of this thing they've invested in and it hasn't paid off, now it's going to be really hard to get them to keep up that level of investment going into 2027. And I think it's a, it's a really key moment now to see what happens in in women's football. We have the good news of the local tournament, all the games are being televised, but what's going to happen level and, I don't think we're sure. We'll, we'll have to see what happens in the next two, three weeks, the fallout from this. Do they stick with Frikerio? Do they keep with him? Do they look for somebody else? Um, do they make some changes in in women's football a bit higher up? There's no female um, directors at the moment. It, it's male-dominated. Panama, by the way, have have female directors. They, their manager is is... Is a man. He's from he's from Mexico, but they, but there's a much more influence there from ex players and that kind of thing. Paraguay don't have that yet, so are they going to do that? There's there's a lot of questions I think, and because they didn't qualify, we don't know what the what the kind of the best route is.
3: I think um, after everything, you know, um, you know, despite the fact that they lost and and it was such a close call And they could have really done it because, you know, after all, they lost one nil. Um, I, I think they should really be proud of of themselves for coming all the way over there and really being so close to to getting there. And and um, hopefully, you know, the the administration sees this kind of positive side of everything and you know does continue to support the, the girls because it does take time to grow you know it's been so like they have they've only been doing this for so short such a short amount of time so i think it's it's just a matter of time that they keep growing and and continue to learn from from their from their um mistakes um obviously they underestimated panama and um you know not for anything, but but the, they were kind of big girls. Um, if you look at them uh, compared to us, us, Paraguayan girls are really small. So in that sense, yes, I I do um I do want to say that that there was a difference there. So for that, then you have to be more physical. You have to be more aggressive, and and I I I guess that they didn't have they were lacking in that uh, side. So um, overall, I think um it it was a good journey for them. Um, obviously they come back now and. Hopefully they make uh, some changes and, and they keep uh, working on their game. I know that they're going to keep uh, succeeding in, in a lot of stuff because now they have more attention from from everyone in the country. Um, so let's see. Uh, but overall, I think I'm, I'm I'm really happy for them and I and I'm proud of them. So I, I hope they really are uh, of themselves as well.
1: Mixed emotions here. Also, Maria, I am on one side, very proud of these girls on the other side. It, it, I think it was a complete failure. Just looking at the team that we went up against what, what kind of players we, we have. And, you know, some of them are on their, uh, on top of their game. They're playing in Europe. So you were expecting for them to show up in these games. I, I did not see our star pretty much in, in either of those, in these two matches, Jessica pira Martinez. I, I think that free kick, uh, uh, against Panama, that that was probably her big chance, right? In both matches, she pretty much played uh, the the whole game. So you know, looking at the games, I have the feeling just that, just like Ralph, I, I don't think Paraguay, I don't think we played to our fullest capacity. I mean, I think we should, we could have gotten uh, a lot better to these two games, and and we couldn't maintain the rhythm also. And I think that's on the coach. I think that's also on the girls. You know, it's it's not easy to play these games. It's probably once in a lifetime for most of these players. So it's not easy to absorb the situation. It's not easy to be there and not run totally out there, not give your 100% and not have enough fuel for the rest of the match. And I think that was a problem against China. I think that was a bigger problem against Panama. I think that first half an hour, what we saw a very intense team trying to get that first goal, but they just couldn't do it. And then you have the lineup also, right? The, the choices of the players, just like Ralph was saying, Fanny Gauto coming in, making the difference in, in that first game. Lisa Chamorro also coming in, a big striker, making the difference uh, also. And, and you thought that they were going to, they were going to be in that Panama match. And Fanny Gauto only came in those last 10 minutes and, and didn't have enough. Uh, time to to make a difference and uh, you just saw a reaction from the coach after they scored on us and on both games it was the same situation we had to try to come back and to be honest uh, i felt that we were really lucky against china i mean their star had three opportunities to set it for them Uh, and we went to penalty shootouts where again our our goalkeeper uh alicia just saved us just like she did so many times in copa america so you saw some things that we were already seeing from before and not not a big uh, growth from this team. And we saw a process that I thought was going to take them to a a next level, and I didn't see that in these two games. So I I don't think they really did much to deserve to be in the World Cup, but we were so close. We were right there, right? We just needed a goal maybe in a certain moment of the match against uh, Panama. It was a tight match. I don't think there's that much of a difference between one team or the other. To be honest, I think either of these teams could have made it to the World Cup, but I'm just sad it wasn't us. And now we got to come back to our reality, to our local league, and to see how much we can build from all of this, how much we can uh, really uh, learn from this experience, Roberto, and try to get back to this same stage. I mean, this has to be normal for us. I mean, we have to be right there trying to make it to the World Cup uh, on women's football, and I hope this day they get another run at it because just like Rafa was saying, there's a lot of girls that maybe this was their only shot. But there's a whole new generation already trying to push their way, trying to make trying to make uh, trying to make it to their to the starting team. And I do think we're gonna see new players come about after this this game. I think one would go
0: straight into failure just because, like you said, it, it feels like it's always been a common thing for Paraguayan football as a whole, um, not just in women's, but also in men's as well. You know, so close yet they don't make it. Like they've gone so far, they've had so many journeys, and yet they didn't make it to the to the dance as we like to say here in the states but I think um yeah I mean I I think look there there are mixed emotions I mean yeah well on the one hand you have to feel bummed out um for not making especially from the journey that they had and and really in the way that they played but on the other hand like Maria said I think you do have to feel proud because they've been able to do something that no Paraguayan generation has done beforehand making it this far I mean yes an increased world cup kind of helps when there's more spots and more opportunities. So you would think that, yeah, it gives them more of a chance to do it, but I think, you know, these are the failures that one has to learn to move on. I think obviously so much investment has been made that I, 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 I disagree honestly a bit with Ralph. I mean, you've made so much, so why don't you just go continue with it again? Yes. Questions will have to be made about what's going to go happen for the next world cup, which won't be until 2027 in four years time so we'll see what happens from there on out but yeah this is this is really I'd say we're at a crossroads really I mean yeah if they had made it it would have been probably a bit more straightforward obviously they were going to be in a group with Brazil France and Jamaica obviously maybe probably not going to have a chance of going out of the group but at least trying to compete and just being there gives them that experience but again this is this is where we're at now and I think it's 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 really a crossroads moment so yeah we'll have to wait and see what happens to a lot of players who are already playing in Europe, maybe sometimes we have to also look at something like what Panama had said and what Ralph said, maybe looking into other players um, similar to what's going on on the men's side. You know, the fact that we get a lot of nationalized players, why not go it out and try it there? Like, look at what players that we have in the state. So now there's this ruling that the, the Paraguayan government has given that allows American citizens with Paraguayan uh, routes to, to get Paraguayan citizenship and that allows them to play on the national team. So why not go there or look at what's going on in Spain or or even in Argentina or something like that? And that, that might be a, a route that a lot of women's teams have been able to do. So perhaps that's something that um, these girls can can do and we'll still have to wait and see what happens from the APF. But yeah, I think to close it out, I think everyone's been kind of feeling the somber way, but also there are this these mixed emotions about what's been going on and we'll have to wait and see what happens. As we switch gears now to what's been going on on the men's side, obviously, we saw the Copa Lerita Ores go back in the second stage. We saw two teams, Nacional and Cerro Porteño, taking on uh, Sporting Cristal and Surio Crigo Unido, respectively. Nacional getting it very uh, early on in the second half, a goal from um, Matias Martinez in the 46th minute. Everyone was thinking that it was just going to be a 1-0 result, but then... Right at the, at the death of extra time, Gustavo Hilar scores to make it 2-0 at the Defensores del Chaco um, to get a, a really good result to take all the way back to, to Peru. Cerro Borteño, obviously, we saw them debut over the weekend with their new manager, Facundo Sava, getting the win against Guayreña. And a really weird game that we saw John Fernandez go out injured, uh, which we saw because Cerro Borteño had used all their subs, meaning that Marcelo Martín Moreno had to go into goal in the last few minutes. But... Uh, we, they, he wasn't fit enough to travel. We saw Miguel Martinez become the starting goalkeeper in this one. And it was a very tight game, a really weird game, actually, uh, where we saw, obviously, uh, a Cedro side that, you know, conceded late on early on. And it was a it was a goal that was scored by Julio Lino. Um, that was delayed, I think, 10 minutes or something like that with the VAR check on, on an offside. And yeah, it was a really weird game, but late on in the 89th minute, customary to his late goals, Juan Patino scoring uh, to give Cedro a, a really big win over there in Santiago de Chile. Uh, and Fede, I want to go to you on this one, because I think from both these two sides, yeah, they've had different roots in, in their in their local leagues. Cedro Porteño obviously still unbeaten after four games, Nacional you know, kind of m- middling in there as well. They've only lost one game and they obviously have a, a game in hand as well, but I would say two positive results from the, from the two sides from Barrio Red. Obviously the two teams play there. Uh, they are neighbors. So yeah, I mean, looking at kind of the situation that they're both in set up, but going back home to nueva yet to play this week. National going into, into Peru with a two nil lead. I mean, you would think that both these sides have enough to hopefully qualify to the next stage, and that kind of is a, a good thing because, like Ralph had mentioned in the beginning, it's a long way for a lot of these teams. National had to go through one previous stage in comparison to Seto Porteño, but it's uh, it's a good result for both these two sides to to hopefully qualify to the next stage of the artist.
1: Totally, totally. Especially for Nacional, just like I said in the introduction, I think Nacional getting that second goal right at the end of the match, I think that just puts the pressure more on the the Peruvian team to try to get it uh, right away, right, when they play uh, in Peru in a couple days. So uh, the pressure is going to be on them. Nacional is doing really well, I I think, uh, surpassing their own expectations. Uh, the way they're playing, the way that they're solving games, even luck is by their side. I think Sporting Cristal could have gotten a goal here in, in Asuncion. They had several opportunities, but Nacional was able to keep them away, maintain that, that zero on their goal. And and I believe they they have a, a very good team that just keeps on growing. And as you carry the momentum, as you go uh, and to get a good game, you get another one. Uh, watch out for this Nacional, huh? they, they might make it to the group stage if they just keep on carrying this on and, and keep building it as a team, especially with the way, uh, and this is what I love the most about Nacional, the way that their coach is managing, just he knows what he has, he knows the kind of subs that can come in and make the difference in, in the right time, uh, at the right moment in certain matches, and he's shown that, uh, especially in these first games. As for Cerro Porteño, uh, I said it last week right last episode around two games they could turn around and they did just that they did it in Villarrica against Waireña they got the, they got the win and they did it again in Libertadores the Libertadores is back with their style just like you said Roberto with a 10-minute wait uh with uh with that drama at the beginning of the match uh I did not know what was going to happen I did not know what the call was going to be and that was going to be a a turning point obviously uh for for the match also it, it was just starting out but if curicol was gonna be uh, uh up on the scoreboard it was gonna be totally different match for cerro porteno cerro got the control of the match they had the possession i was looking at the stats that, as you were talking so curicol neither just shot once at goal cerro porteno had 18 shots five on target and scored just one goal so if you look at the stats i mean Cerro could have gotten that that that, uh, that goal way back a uh, uh, a lot before on on the match and or, or could have gotten a, another goal even I, I believe to come and and close this 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 game against uh this key against uh Curico Unido Nido here in Asuncion in a week from now I think the team is just gonna build up uh, I think Saba knows knows his stuff he he showed it on these two games Garrizo uh, uh, teaming up with Claudia Aquino I, I think that's very important in that midfield. And then you have players that are coming uh, that are pretty much new on this squad that weren't playing like with their in that midfield. That, that's pretty, that, that, that's a touch there from the coach. That's totally brand new on this, on this team. And we saw him coming in uh, on both of these two matches. So, so uh, I think he's, he's hit that key, right? Uh, he's, he's done the, he's done the homework and with pretty much no time uh, to train this team, he, he's picked the right players. And I think, the, besides Juan Patino coming to the rescue, right, the captain that came through, I think Cerro Porteño has looked a lot better in these two matches than how they did in those last games with, with their former coach, with Chiquiace, but I'd love to hear Maria and Rob's take on it. Yeah,
2: there's there's definitely, oh, sorry, Maria, you go first. Thank you.
3: Okay, no, no. I was just gonna say that. Yeah, I I agree with with, with you, Fed. That they're looking better, uh, despite everything that that they're that they're going through. And you know that, that that's how that's what you expect from a team, um, going through lows. You know, they you want to come back uh, and 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 win and just show the, your fans that you're here, that you're not gonna let things you know get to you. And and I think that's what Cerro Porteño is doing. Um, so far right now, they're their favorites. So they're they're doing a good job. Um, definitely I hope that they continue this because um it sucks to be in this kind of position where all this drama is in the back of your head, but you know, you have to learn to to put that put that behind and keep going and and, and that's what they're doing. So go ahead, Ralph. <laughs>
2: hey. They seem to have this new energy, I think, yeah, because things were getting a bit flat. We spoke about this even towards the the end of last season when they were still doing so well. And it's worth pointing out that they're still on such a great run in terms of being unbeaten. They they hardly lose Cerro because it's not that Chiquiase was losing games. It was just – it wasn't quite clicking. So, yeah, I think now there's a bit more energy around them. I still don't think Sava's got it all figured out because – I mean, I don't know about the Pachi Carrizo and Aquino, how that's going to work long term. Let's see. Um, he, he definitely wants Morales and Churim, but I don't think Churim will be able to play every game. I don't think he's, he's got those levels anymore in terms of in his legs. So then he's going to think, do I play with Morales? So he's, he still has a few questions. Um, but the important thing is he got the results, right? By getting the two wins, not conceding, it just gives him that platform and, and gives him that confidence. And then the big news that we, we haven't mentioned is that they did sign a centre-back because that's who they needed. this All this time they got uh, Eduardo Brock from cruzeiro He's not able to play this, this preliminary phase of the Libertadores because they didn't get all the international clearance, but he will probably play at the weekend. He, he can play in the local tournaments, And so that's really important because that's what they were also looking for, someone to partner with Patinho. Because again, Savio used someone new. He put Gabriel Valles, who's often a left-back. He put him in central defence uh, in that game against Curico. So, So, I mean, there's... Uh, There's still a few things working out, but they're getting the results, which is the important thing. And just a quick word on Nacional. um, uh, What I thought they did really well against Cristal is they played them on the counter-attack so well. After Martinez scores that goal, then they just, they sat back and hit Cristal. And that's going to be the whole second leg. So unless Cristal can do something with the ball and, and, and maybe scare Nacional early on... Um, they they look very good to go through to the next round where they will play Boston River or Huracan. So, I mean, if, when you're playing Boston River or Huracan, you've got a chance, I think, to get into the, the group stages. It could be more difficult for Cerro because they might end up against Fortaleza. So whenever you play a Brazilian side, we know that the levels are much higher. But, but yeah, good, good for both sides so far.
0: 100%. I think obviously they're in a good position. I think for Soto-Fortenia, you know, they kind of, they want the kind of home field advantage playing at Lanoa Oya oh, yeah, always seems to be an intimidating ground for any team, especially in this kind of competition. So hopefully they can make it uh, a, a good stance in this one. As for Nacional, yeah, I think getting a result and you would fear, you would fear as well that even if they don't even make it um, to the group stage, you know, where we would have them join Lirita and Olympia. I mean, they're still in the position where they can indeed qualify for the Suamericana. That's at worst. Um, I don't know what's the um, what's the, the the thing on that end. And, you know, we have to wait and see what happens um, between them. But, you know, that kind of in a way, it feels like a win win. I mean, yeah, obviously losing sucks for any team. But like, you know, the fact that you get a chance at the Suamericana where the level is probably not as intense in comparison to earlier the Ordes, and the chances to win is more higher, but you know, it, it, it suits them up well. So we'll have to wait and see just a little update on what's been going on the local league. Obviously we, uh I want to go to Maria on this one because uh, on a way uh her team lost on the weekend, but in a way also as well, she had mentioned this surprise team, the three one win between Sportivo Trinidad and Olimpia. So in a way, you kind of are saying to yourself, okay, wait a minute, you know, they, they were able to get a result over there in Encarnacion, Olimpia scored early on, but then Trinidad just went on, and right now, I mean, obviously, yeah, it's still early days, but, you know, they're, they're knocking on the, they're right there in third place, right there behind Cerro Porteño and and Libertad, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is, <laughs> this is something that I think, you know, obviously, like I said, early days, but I think we could say that main Maria is, is right on step on, on picking your team, even if it was at the expense of her team losing. So you gotta, gotta get props on that.
3: <laughs> uh, don't worry guys. I'll give you the, the lottery numbers later on, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I did. Uh, I did say that they were going to surprise, um, you know, they're going to be a surprising team this year. Um, I don't know. I just had a feeling about them, but um, this game, you know, there was, is crazy. Um they they ended up winning 3-1 against Olympia and I think that that's what shocked everyone um Olympia just, just couldn't get with them and and it was it was such a weird game you know they had that obviously they had a red card and 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 um uh, Gamara ended up leaving and I think from there on everything just went downhill for Olympia so it was it was um it was a I think a game for Olympia that that they kind of needed to kind of wake up um you know and and see you know that they can't underestimate teams uh smaller teams um and maybe they should have listened to me and in, in our podcast early on and maybe they would have had a different <laughs> a different outcome but no I mean going to th- also. Going to another city and playing, you know, outside of your of your comfort zone, I guess, also kind of plays a little bit into the situation. Um, you know, I, I I heard rumors that uh, some players, some Olympia players, were you know partying it up. I mean, it's Encarnacion after all, and and um, in the middle of Carnaval season two. So it's 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 probably expected for for them to just like have some fun before, but obviously. That's not good. Um, uh, they have to be concentrated, and and I think that's where um, I'm talking about that they underestimated this team. You know, they said, "Oh, whatever, let's just go party." Um, but um, overall, I think um, that that they do need to work on on obviously their their defense. They didn't didn't see a lot of defensive uh, a, a a lot of defense players uh, plays in this in this um in this game they were lacking in that in that area um i think that that they have to co- be more concentrated in in, in that in that section because obviously uh they they can score they have been good at scoring but in their defensive side they have been lacking a little bit and you can tell by this game that they conceded three goals so um hopefully you know they wake up from this and see what's best For them to to change around and and um, work on their on 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 what players you know can can especially with that that game that that they um sorry that play that they uh that they uh, took out that gave the the red card for Gamara that you know that was a little bit. Too, too defensive I think in my opinion it was a little too aggressive um, obviously you have to be aggressive but not that aggressive um, I think the coach can, came out saying that you you have to be um, a little conscious about the way that you play you can't you know obviously uh, be too aggressive and then you risk getting a red card like they did in this situation so Hopefully, you know they learn from this uh, this time around this game, and um, let's see what Trinidense has uh, to offer. They had a good game, obviously. They shocked everyone, um, and I hope that they also continue to do so because um, it's good to see smaller teams doing that um, and and just putting their best game, putting um, you know shutting everyone down. So. Um, Hopefully that they continue to do this and let's see what's 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 uh up for both these teams.
1: Which one is the real Olympia, guys? Is it the one that beat and crushed Taquari a couple of days ago or is it the one that had their defensive problems uh, against uh, a side like Trinidad that played them really smart and that put them against the ropes? I mean, we hadn't seen Mateo Gamarra this nervous. We hadn't seen Junior Barreto. With So so sloppy with the ball, handling it back there. Um, I, I think Julio Cáceres, after this match, is going to look at the tape. He's going to run it back a couple of times, and he's going to look at all the stuff that he has in defense. I mean, they had to bring in Johan Romagna, the Colombian, back from the MLS. He, he played in Guarani a couple of seasons, went to the MLS, and now Olympia signs him uh, pretty much at the last moment. Uh, as the as the window is closing, as the transfer window is closing. 24 years old. He's got a, a great career ahead of him still. He, he gained the experience in the MLS. Uh, I don't know if he's going to get the starting role now with Mateo Gamarra out. We're just two games away from the Super Classical. That defense needs to start working Rob. If not, that could be the real problem for this team because from midfield on, the team is looking good. Well, besides Breta, right? He still got to score his stuff. He's still got to do his thing. But with, with Delis Gonzalez, he's doing it. He's got the midfield pretty much uh, worked out with, with Alex Silva, with Marcos Gomez. You got the players by the sides, but that defense, it had the worst game.
2: Yeah, that's it. I mean, they, they've they only kept that one clean sheet against uh, Taquari. They, they've conceded in all three games now, other three games, including the Super Cup against Emiliano. So they're trying to find that. And Romania maybe is is something that will help fix that. But then they signed Barreto, so he was meant to be the person to fix that, so, so there's definitely something going on there, and I think we'll see, it's going to be interesting against, um, uh, uh, this weekend, I think they have Guairenia, right, so, so there's Roberto Torres who, who, likes, uh, who likes attacking, who likes uh, taking people on as well, so it's going to be another test for that defence as well, um, Let's see. Let's see what happens, because what we saw last year, I thought is Cerro had a very good defense. Olympia were never that strong defensively, but it didn't matter because they were so good going forward. So as long as they keep that big clicking, then maybe we won't see any any issues. But it was interesting, right, that they scored so early on and then they 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 gave away the game and and big. um Big respect for for Arrua, the the coach of Trinidadense, who is, of course, the son of legendary Cerro player, Saturnino Arrua. Uh, He's only 35 years old, and he's doing really well at the moment. And I'm sure he would have enjoyed getting that win over Olympia.
3: Um, Just one thing I wanted to also mention um, that I didn't earlier. Uh, They did, yes, they did assign um, Romania from, um, I think he's coming from Austin FC. Um, So... I think that that they, in that sense, that they are kind of working on their defense because he is a, you know, he's a key player. I uh, I think for Olympia right now, he will be a key player because um, they were almost sign, they were almost going to sign um, another player. They were in the talks with um, Cristian Cueva from Peru uh, that he was playing in 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 in. I forget the name in, 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 in Arab, uh, but I think that they are kind of working in that situation that kind of you can see that they they, they know that they're having problems with defense um, and, and you know not signing Cuevas probably because he's a, a, an attacking midfielder, not signing Cuevas and signing Romania just shows you that they are kind of thinking in that direction. So hopefully you know uh, he does help a lot in this uh, in this situation.
0: Yeah, 100 percent. I think obviously the signing of Romania gives a bit more of defensive stability. And I think that's something that I think the team kind of needed. And, and obviously, you know, all this talk about center backs coming into the league. I mean, now we're, we're starting to see that with Cedro. We're now seeing this with Olívia. So definitely something that in the market, at least it's, it's very much a, a huge commodity. I wanted to switch gears finally to, to talk about what's been going on. Uh, Over there in England, obviously, when we speak about England, we talk about either Julio Enciso or Miguel Amirón. In this case, we're talking about the latter, as this Sunday, we have Manchester United taking on Newcastle United in the EFL Cup, the the third domestic title, basically, or at least the third major title that a team could win, aside from the Premier League FA Cup um, domestically. Uh, it's It's a really big event, I think, obviously, for Manchester United, obviously, they're a they're a side that are always so accustomed to winning titles and, and winning these type of, of tournaments. Obviously, they, they won these, this tournament five times, most recently in 2017. But for Newcastle, it's a whole different story. Obviously, this is their first major final, um, in any case, since the 1999 FA Cup final. They haven't won any sort of silverware since 1969. So it's been almost 54 years since they've won it. It's one of the longest droughts in in English football history, so yeah, I want to go to Ralph on this one. Obviously, someone who had lived many of his years in England, watching these type of games, obviously remembering the old Newcastle from the nineties when they've went to finals and were dominant. We're seeing a throwback, and obviously, this is a, a major thing because obviously, you know Newcastle are such a, a big side, um, at least in the country and even internationally. Now, with the attention given from Parik Wines because of on because of the way that uh he's performed on the side you know 10 goals top goal scorer on the side you know obviously maybe wasn't as influential as he probably could have on the scoring aspect in this tournament as a whole but still a very useful player so this is a a major thing for not just miggy but for the club and and for kind of their whole really their their aspect obviously they have new ownership so for them to get into this instant was definitely exceeding expectations but Obviously we're talking about Mickey here a player who's won trophies at Southampton he's won at Atlanta news won at Atlanta United uh he's played in finals at almost all the clubs there so he knows what it's like to to play there so this is a, a huge thing for for him and for the club but just want your thoughts and and really I guess the importance of of an EFL cup for a for a side like Newcastle
2: Yeah I mean I think it's it's a trophy that is the you called it the third is like the third most important, which is fair. But then recently it's become dominated by Manchester City because Pep Guardiola has, has taken it very seriously. So it's become something that for anybody to win has, has become much harder, just almost on, on a par with the FA Cup because of Manchester City's dominance. So so now, I mean, it, it, this is a big deal for for Newcastle. Like you say, any kind of trophy for them is, is important. They, they've been going on for For so long without it, I remember the two most recent finals they played. Actually, '99 that you mentioned losing to Manchester United, who won the treble that year, and the year before they lost to Arsenal, who had had won the double, which was Arsène Wenger's first first titles as he moved to Arsenal. So, so you're thinking it's a long generation. You know, the last time was against Wenger and Ferguson. Uh, Now they're up against Ten Hag and. Uh, and really against Marcus Rashford as well, who I think is the, the informed player for, for Manchester United at the moment. He has something like 17 goals in his last 19 games. It's, it's incredible. So so there, there's something very important. Maybe what, what Miggy and Newcastle have on their side is that Manchester United, as we go to record, are playing Barcelona today. So they do have a game midweek. Newcastle have been able to focus on this since last weekend. Um I think, I mean, I think with any of these finals, you've always got a chance. It's a one-off game. They, they won't be favourites, but they still have a great chance to, to win something. And for, for Almiron, um, yeah, it's a time to step up, right? Because you look around that team, I'm trying to think if you really have people that, that know about winning finals, I don't think so. You have maybe Kieran Trippier who's been close, but I don't think he he's won anything, and then, and then you look around and you think, well, really, this is on someone like Almirón to, to show up in the big game to make a difference, and and let's see if he can add to his already very impressive tally this season in terms of goals, goals and assists. So it, it's going to be a big moment. And I think, yeah, you mentioned for the new ownership as well. This is this is a key moment for them to start measuring their their success. And I think it it will be. It will also be for someone like Eddie Howe to then to then be able to keep in that job and keep building. So so there's a lot kind of a play there. But for for Almiron himself, yeah, this is his moment, I think, to show that, hey, guys, I am a winner. I've done this before and let's take this game and and let me turn up in this big game and, and throw a few surprises in there.
1: The team is coming back. Newcastle is coming back, Ralph, with Miggy I Almiron mean, oh, with a pair of wine. I, I, I would love to see it. I mean, Manchester United already has so many trophies at their stadium. They have a whole museum of them. Let Newcastle have this one. Let's let's, let's root for Miggy Almiron. I want to see him be a star on this game. Uh, on this game. I want to see him have a big game. He usually does really good against the big teams in the Premier League, so I, I think he's been waiting for this chance, for this final. Just like you said, uh, Newcastle – their mentality has only been on this game for several weeks now I, I think that's kind of cooled them off on the premier league also that's kind of affected them right that they're thinking about this big game that's coming up not just for them for the players but also for the for the for the club that they play and i think it's just the 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 first step for them i mean i'm i'm actually very surprised about the season that they're having uh fighting in those in those first spots in the premier league and making it to the to the final now on this cup also uh, i think it's just going to be surreal for them at the end of the season and it could be great for miguel also for his future i mean they're doing really good right now but he has to set up for the new agreement he has to set up for a new contract and as you're seeing as time goes by i mean this guy's being more and more important in, in this team. So uh, you don't see him going anywhere. Uh, and that wasn't the case a couple of seasons ago. So they're building a team around him. They're building a, a team around the, the, the stars of this team. And I'm really liking about the, this, that about this new cast that they really have a project. This team looks like it's going somewhere and this could be the first step. Uh, I, I'm going to root for them. Uh, I want to see Miguel Almiron uh, uh, with the fans uh, there uh, celebrating Maria. I want to see him with another trophy just like he's shown us this his whole career.
3: Yes, like I said earlier today, uh, we're all rooting for them, uh, for especially for Miguel Almiron. And I think Paraguay is gonna be a New Castle this weekend and, and um, forget about the the <laughs> forget about the the Apertura. It's all about uh Newcastle. Uh you know uh, Miguel Almiron is has been uh, has it has been a long time coming for him and um you know um like you said guys i think that this is his time to shine and 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 really think about his future you know if he has one more trof- trophy in his in his um in his case and in and, and under his name then he has a better chance of probably moving on to a bigger team you know and and more and bigger teams will probably be looking at him as well so um you know um not only is it good for 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 Newcastle, but it's good for Miguel Almirón Um, you know, he's he's been putting so much uh, love and so much effort into his team. I think he's really grown uh into loving, you know, the 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 team and 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 the fans and everyone in there. So um he has a great chance of, you know, either continue to stay there like you said Feather, Feder, um, and and have a good uh, contract coming up. Or you know, moving on and 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 and, and putting um, his name up there with the bigger players of the of the league. So um, I think that he has a great chance to to shine again. Uh, like I said, so let's hope that um, let's hope that they have a good game. And and um, yeah, Manchester United has so many trophies. Like you it's, it's, it's let's just give it to them this time. <laughs> but no um let's hope that it's uh it's a c- competitive game as well and and that they really win it because they really deserve it and they did that they played a good game um so let's just hope that you know uh we see a good turnout this weekend and um i think that they're probably going to win this um uh no not probably they will win this um let's let's say i'm going to give my little uh predictions i'm going to go for two two one. 2 1 uh, I think I I um I got ahead of myself. Sorry, uh, Roberto, but um, maybe you guys want to predict it as well.
0: Oh wow, wow, putting us on the spot here, actually. Wow, uh, Ralph, go first. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna recite my
2: my opinion for last. Go ahead. Yeah, Newcastle are gonna win in an epic game on penalties.
1: I like that one, Ralph. I like that. One. I was actually thinking about that, especially because on this match, uh, obviously uh, us here in Paraguay, our eyes are going to be on top of Miggy. But as I'm reading uh, articles about this game, I mean, all eyes are going to be on on Newcastle's uh, goalkeeper, right? Carrier's that's going to be uh, there after a while. He hasn't played it in so long, so all eyes are going to be on him. And I want to see him coming back. So why not? Let's take it to a penalty shootout and him being the star of the game. And with Miggy, on the on. Uh, obviously, celebrating.
0: Wouldn't it be awesome for him to score the the winner there if he does get the penalty shootout? Oh man, this is tough. Um, yeah, I I think I do see a tight game as well. You know what? Forget it, Miggy to score the winner, one no win over there at Wembley. Uh, why not? Why not give him the 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 oper- the biggest chance? I mean, to to win to win a final is always big, and to do it against Manchester United against Wembley just makes it even bigger. So for him to be the 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 main goal scorer to, to put him in the, uh, in the pantalon of, I don't want to say legend, but definitely called heroes because, you know, for him to score the goal that gives them their major, their first major trophy in what I said, like 50 years, something like that. Yeah. That would, that would completely change the perception. And it kind of would be kind of the fairy tale really, you know, a player who's been through so much, you know, got criticized by the fans has this whole new rejuvenation of a, of a season and, and for him to score that winner, I mean, wow, that would, be huge so yeah definitely all team newcastle on this one on sunday obviously the game is at 11 30 here in the states uh 1 30 p.m in yeah in um in paraguay so definitely check it out and yeah all eyes are going to be on miggy to hopefully get that contagious smile next to the efl cup trophy as we close out another great episode of what any vision for myself robert rojas fede perez maria britos and ralph hannah thank you so much for listening in see you soon